Influencing popular culture, politics, and everything in between. The local station takes you ringside as we discuss the crazy world that is professional wrestling. This is Going Ringside with the local station. Hey there, we are live at River City Wrestling Con. Thanks for joining us today. I am your host, Scott Johnson, and we are here with a legend who just sat down oh, with wow. us. Oh, thank you. Ron thank Simmons. You. I like the sound of that. And Ron, I got to start because we've got a Florida audience here, and they all know you from I'm, before I, wrestling. I know they do. <laughs> but that's okay. So all right. you were a star at Florida State. You were as good as it gets, and then you go to wrestling. How did that transition happen for you? Well, actually, it uh, it kind of happened by mistake a little, right? Really? Actually, I wanted to start getting into something similar to what you're doing now. Yeah, right? really? Okay. Right? Sports. I'm going to tell you uh, to be more particular, right? But I had a good friend by a lot of people might, out there might know him by the name of Lex Luger. Yes, Larry, Larry yes. Fold. We were teammates okay. on the Tampa Bay Bandits. And he was uh, Miami Hurricane, by the way, right? And so he had gotten into the professional wrestling business, right? And so at that particular time, there wasn't as many blacks, in particular black men, mm -hmm. in the business, right? So uh, he had came over to me and said, actually, would I consider doing it? And of course, it was absolute no, you know, because I'd gone through football and still healing up. And I was actually at a detention center working there. And he said, well, what are you making here? And I said, well, Jesus Christ, nothing, you know, <laughs> right? So said, well, how about two to three times more than what you're making now? And that's starting. I said, when do I start wrestling? The next day. So you know? soon enough, you're not in. I think you tagged with JYD for a while. What was that like? Very, it, it was very mentoring from his standpoint. Really? You know? Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought that up. I had a good fortune of when I started in Florida of coming under people like JYD, you mentioned, right? Butch Reed, Dusty Rose, all of those, you know, as tag partners entering in and out. So it was a very learning process for me, you know, coming up. And I, I'm very fortunate in that regard. So you, and pretty quickly, you were the first African-American heavyweight champion Black. ever. Black heavyweight champions. Yes, right, yes, I was. And, and it's a badge of honor that I wear very proud. Yeah. You know, right. And, well, at that particular time, I'm an aspiring wrestler. Mm -hmm. Only wanting to become what all of us in this business want to do, and that's become champion. You know, at that time, unaware of trying to make history or anything like that. But as time has gone on, you know, even to this day, you know, I'm, people are, you know, it, it's something that I'm reminded of, man, that has meant a lot. Not to just black people and, and black men in, in more particular, but to all races. So you, know? you come and a few years later, you're starting the Nation of Domination. Right. That your idea? Whose idea was that? Well, it kind of was a conglomerate or a mixture of uh, quite a bit. Myself, Vince, and the writers. Yeah. You know, so we're trying to find something that fits more in the timeline with the with the era and tensions for, you know, not all is good. Yeah. You know, racial tensions, right? And politically, you know, and something that would fit my personality more. You yeah. know what I mean? So we, was that hard yeah. to do? Were you under pressure at all when that's no, going on? No, and I was absolutely, I, I love doing that character because doing that character, it gave me the freedom to express myself in ways to where it was fluently come across. And if you get a character like that, you, you grab hold to it, you know? Yeah. Right, because you don't have to work at it as hard. Where'd you come up with the name Farouk Assad? Well, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was like a, an ancient tyrant king. Uh-huh. So we wanted to do something along those lines where it was an oppressor, you know, of people, right? But we kind of had to do it the right way. But if you recall, in the nation, it wasn't comprised of just black people. We had all races of people in the nation, so that kept people off balance, you know? So right. yesterday, Young Rock sitcom is yeah. canceled. You had a big prominent role in that TV show. Did yeah. you know about that, or how did well, that? Well, yeah, you know what I mean. I had a prominent role in his career. Yeah, you know that's the least he could do for me. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you know. So look, yeah, you know what I'm saying. He was coming along, trying, you know, aspiring wrestler. He's uh, third generation or maybe yep. fourth. You know, his family has a long lineage yeah. in this business. You know, so 
he was coming up, man, and they were trying to find his niche and find his way, you know? So, hey, what better way than to put him with somebody who's been down the road a little bit, you know, and put some tutelage on him, man, and he found his own thing, and there he, there he went. Did he know he was going to be as big as he was? I, I mean, knew it he was started hit. with you. Yeah, but I knew he was headed for something. I didn't know he was going to shoot that far. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I got it. You know, my hats off to him. Not only him, but all of those guys. Yeah. That were in the nation. You know, they all went on. The Godfather, yeah. D'Lo. D'Lo, Mark Henry. Yeah. You know what I mean? All of them went on to do their thing, man. You know. So I'm real proud of it. You know? So eventually, you and Bradshaw start teaming. Uh, it's kind. Of, I mean, you start with the Undertaker, and then, but after you split away from the Undertaker, this thing took off. Yeah. Well. And. Once again, here's a, like a real-life thing, you know what I'm saying, and behind the scenes come true. He was a football player, yeah. myself being a football player, right? We both love to do the same kind of antics out of the ring. <laughs> but we won't go into all of them. Okay. Right? Yeah, we'll leave a few of them out, right? You know, the drinking, right? The yeah. fighting in bars. The cigars. Kind of, yeah, all of that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Card playing, you know? Right, the cheating of the cards too, by the way. Yes. Right, yeah. So, and they saw that, and they said, well, look, if you're all going to keep tearing up these bars, let's bring this thing to life. So along the way, what's on your shirt right there, yeah, give it to me. We're all, we all want to hear it. Yeah, everybody want to know. Yeah. How, how did this thing come about, right? Actually, this came about was that, hey, in the ring, right, if I would pull a muscle or break something or hurt a finger, somebody go, damn, you know? Yeah. And the people, as I would go back to each town, the people in their rules from 1 to 15 maybe could hear me, you know, and they would just go like, hey, run, damn. So, you know, I look around and I ask, I said, what are they saying, man? He says, I think you say that when something screws up. I said, So, and the writers caught on to it. They said, you know what, let's try to experiment. We were in Chicago, so John Cena and Booker T had an exchange of words. And they said, well, look, all we want you to do, Ron, is walk out at the end of their exchange and just simply say, damn. <laughs> and there it goes. And, so yeah. I was just talking to Ted DiBiase, who wrestled for years and said, then my laugh was the biggest thing about me. I'd wrestled yeah. for 15 years. No one notices. Yeah, absolutely. Kind and, of the same and, thing? And, 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 yes. And, and, and when I'm sure Ted will tell you the same thing myself. And after this thing with them, you know, yeah. was born, right? The first thing as a performer, you know, come to your mind is like, you're telling me all I had to do was walk out and say one word, and I didn't have to get beat up all these years, and I would still be just as popular without jumping off the top rope. That's got to be hard. Yeah. All that work. Yeah. So, uh, what have you been doing now? What's what's life for you Brother, right now? as less as possible, but I'm really enjoying doing these, yeah. you know, because if you know anything of this business, and I'm sure you do, having talked to a lot of guys, when I came along in it, right, not only did we work almost every day, yeah. six days of the week, we worked twice a day, yeah, two shows, double shots, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you never had the opportunity to talk and mingle with the people like I'm doing here, you know, and I just recall people like Junkyard, you mentioned, right, and yeah. Dusty, right, and those guys. I always saw them interact with the fans, and they were so good with me. And I always swore to myself, if I was in this business fortunate enough to stay as long, I would do the same thing. Is that a reason why you, know? you think Dwayne and John Cena have done so well in Hollywood? Because unlike actors who are kind of snotty and don't yeah. interact with fans, yes. wrestlers know how yeah, to. Yeah, because they understand. Yeah. You know, you know more than what the people out there and your fans allow you, you know? Right, and when you forget that, man, hey, guess what? It's a swift fall. Yeah. Okay. And I've always, you know, thought along the way, man, I've always tried to remember that. You know, when I was taught that in this business from Dusty, you know, Jumbo, and of course, my trainer, Hero Matsu, never forget, you know. So I'm really thankful to see all of these people and when they bring up pictures like when they were kids themselves and they're with their kids. You know, it, it, it really is something to see. Before know? we go, any last comments for Florida State fans? Any Seminoles out there? Listen, we are back. <laughs> That's it. We're back, okay? And look, I want everybody to get this, understand this, right? Although I'm 4-0 against the Gators, I still pull for them. 
Remember Candace Michelle? She was the diva. She was the GoDaddy diva uh, back in the day. She kind of broke the internet before that happened, doing a Super Bowl commercial uh, after the Janet Jackson uh, wardrobe malfunction. Well, um, Candace Michelle does a Super Bowl commercial, gets millions of views. Everyone's talking about it. She took it into a diva, uh, real life career as a star in WWE for many years. We also talked um, to Jake the Snake Roberts. He was here. We're going to get to him a little later in the podcast. But one of the interviews I was really excited about was Big Papa Pump. Scott Steiner was here. So uh, the largest arms in the world, I think what he used to call it, Scott Steiner is here, and we just were able to meet up with Scott, talk to him. Uh, Scott has always been one of the most intense performers of all time in this industry. And Scott was one of the ones I was really excited to talk to. He lives up in the Atlanta area. So this wasn't a long trip for him. So we were able to sit down with Scott Steiner. Here's my interview with Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner. I'm here with Scott Steiner. We are excited to be joined by Big Papa Pump. Scotty, what are you doing now? Oh, just doing any conventions, join life. My oldest boy plays at Jacksonville State football. Really? And my, yeah, my youngest boy uh, is with Virginia Tech, play basketball. So. so I've always wanted to know, how did you decide to change gimmicks when you went from the brothers to Big Papa Pump? How did that come about? Uh, I've been tag team for a while. Yeah. We won every tire there was to win. So I just got, you know, made time for a change. So I transformed. You became arguably the best heel in the business. How did that come about? I tried about? to. I tried to. Be there. How did that come about so quickly? How did you know to do that coming from a babyface tag team for so long? Well, you got to look at the fans' perspective, you know. I was a tag team for so long, I want to totally get away from all that, so I bleached my hair and then uh, tried to piss the people off. You did piss them <laughs> off pretty well. I tried, man. So, what are your thoughts of when you went to WWE? What was that transition like? Was that good, bad? Uh, I mean, it was all right. I wouldn't say it was, you know, I'd rather have been WCW. I wish it wouldn't have folded. Really? Yeah, well, then you, it's a monopoly there. It's only one, one game in town. You know? So, it was, it was good for them. Well, actually, it wasn't good for them because they lost the ratings too, you know? Yeah. Because when the ratings wars were going on, it was great. You know, we were getting like an eight share seven share going against each other and then when that got uh, taken away their, their uh, show went down too also i talked to a lot of fans who would have liked to see you in austin would that have been a good feud or not oh yeah no i wrestled steve in wcw well yeah yeah but, but when he was stone cold when he still that would have been great i would have loved it him wrestle wrestle and wrestle the rock you know, go, those guys were at the top of the game. At How would have a rock, uh, a big pop of pump feud have gone down, do you think? Oh, man. A disaster. <laughs> I would have had to take my aim to big, the big bad booty daddy or big da big daddy uh, disaster. So what was work like working with Steph? Because you had a lot of stuff with Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, I mean, it was her dad's business, so, you know, she's part of their, well, she was, she was cool. She was good to work with. Were you worried about going a little too far at all during that time well no i couldn't i couldn't do as far as much as i wanted yeah i was in that you know handcuffed yeah so i couldn't do everything how you and your brother doing you guys keep in touch very much oh yeah we live like two miles from each other so you're always so he, yeah no he's on a school board and he's in real estate are you up in atlanta now yeah atlanta area yeah. so in general you just loving life and everything yeah just enjoying my time I, I got asked one story from the booker here. Told me that you were in Jacksonville last year. There was a problem at your hotel, like the water wasn't running or something. And he told me you were like, "I'm the big bad booty daddy. Why are they not getting the water running for me?" Uh, I don't remember that. You don't remember no, that? No. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us in Jacksonville today. I appreciate it. All right, it. man. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. That's Scotty. Well, we are back now and got another star with us, uh, <laughs> Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Woo, baby! <laughs> Bruti, thank you for joining us today, sir. Man, with your shears yeah, and all, they're still good after all these they're years. they're all sharp. Oh, they're very sharp. Very too. sharp. You can tell I, I we had a little session before this. Yeah. I took good care of it. Yeah, you did. Yeah, like, why am I with you? What what, what good is this? <laughs> so, Brutus, how have you been? You're living down in South Florida now in Clearwater. I'm a Tampa born and raised boy. Florida's my state. Love it here. 
I'm retired and I'm working more than I ever have in my, my life. Now, your real name, if I remember right, Ed Leslie? That's right. How did Brutus Beefcake become your name? I don't know if we got enough time for that. That's a long story. That that, that happened in uh, New York many, many, many moons ago. Many but what did you ago. think of that? That's an odd name. Well, it, it was very odd. And I, I, I was, uh, at first, I was horrified. I thought, oh, my God. I can't even say it without snickering or something like that. And I thought I'd be the laughing stock. You, I didn't realize that was the name that nobody could forget. Everybody remembered. You know? Yeah. So now, so, so along the way, you, you guys have different gimmicks, but a barber that worked for you. Uh, uh, that was a supposed to be a one and done deal. They were setting me up to fail. Really? Yeah. There's no barbers. Never has been. How are you going to do a barber in the wrestling business? Yeah. Never been done. Impossible. I did the impossible. I was set up to fail. They figured, Dad, I'm going to go away. And blah, blah. No, I didn't go away. I came on like gangbusters and became one of the most popular WWE wrestlers in history. So the shears you would bring to the ring, they always says, when I would watch as a kid, I'm like, that's got to be dangerous. Like, he could really hurt a guy with those. That's possible, yep, yep. But I like to say that uh, my record is... Perfect. No one ever injured in any way, shape, or form. A lot of haircuts. Yeah. But nobody injured. No blood. No bloodshed. So you, you had the barber shop was your big uh, interview segment. How did that come about? That was like prime spot for you. Well, so that's a long story too. Let's just say I uh, had an accident. I was out of the business for a while. And uh, they decided to utilize my exceptional speaking talents <laughs> and uh, made the barbershop. And I have to say, you know, Roddy Piper and I were lifelong friends. And his Piper's Pit was big inspiration for me wanting to do the barbershop. And, and he was actually on the barbershop with me. And, you know, it... it it was with Andre and people that people did. It was incredibly good. And so it gives another example of uh, what you can do. You put your mind to it. So I want to ask, you were a part of one of the most iconic wrestling moments of all time on your show when Shawn Michaels broke away from the Rockers and Marty Jannetty and kicked them through your window. Well, yeah, threw them through. Threw them through, through the window. Uh, yeah. Did you yep. know that was going to take off like it did? Uh, no, no. You know what? And here's the thing. Uh, Marty's my friend. Yeah. Not so much Sean. Yeah. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a shame to see what happened. Uh, Marty got kicked to the curb, left in the dust. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, they didn't tell him anything. They didn't help him. They just cut him loose. Sean got, was groomed for, you know, whatever. He got everything. He did get everything, yeah. He yeah. got everything. And while Marty, Marty got nothing. And uh, I, I, I hated to see that. I, I really, I hated to see that. You know, there's a special coming up on, on Vice called yeah. Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. Me and my wife, Missy, did an extensive uh, part of that episode okay that's going to air and i think they liked it so much they they're thinking about doing one you're going to do a vice possibly we'll, see, we'll, see. well you know, but now i'm uh yeah, yeah tell me about what you're doing what are you doing now sorry <laughs> boca raton championship wrestling i mean everybody these days they watch the product they've on it terrible i mean the new guys are doing better AEW and stuff, but some of the other stuff's just no good. So, Neil Glazer and Matt decided to, Matt Masler decided to just start their own company. Okay. And try to bring back the old school approach. Here we have 
we got Jack Talis, is seven foot tall. We got our giant. Oh my goodness. We got Cha Cha Charlie. We got Bull. We got so many guys, real charismatic guys like the old days. And we give them, the people a great show, a product that's like from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. What people want to see, a family show. You know, not, not boobs being popped out and, you know, not blood, not guts and all kind of stuff. Just wrestling. A good guy and a bad guy and a, tell a story like we used to. So I want to ask about, I didn't know this, when Hulk Hogan started his acting career, you were a stunt double. I, I didn't was. know that. Yep. Tell me about that. I had a lot of fun. Uh, first, uh, one of the first things that I did was... Uh, Thunder Paradise. The and, old TNT show, yeah. yeah. And one of the, fir the, the first episode that actually convinced the Disney people that this was going to be good was Hulk Hogan supposedly blazing down uh, the Kissimmee in, in Kissimmee there, a, a river, that just windy, windy river, comes up flying up next to an airboat with Sting on it. Sting the wrestler? Yeah. <laughs> and at 35 miles an hour, without a rehearsal, without a, a try, a job, or anything, up next to the airboat, steps off at 35 miles an hour, steps off the wave runner onto the front of the airboat, and starts a big fight scene with Sting on the airboat while we're going down this river. And then, boom. We both finally fall off the water, off into the water, and then the real guys pop up. And the Disney guys are watching, and they're like going, wow, man, that's, that's incredible. We didn't know Hulk Hogan could do anything like that. Wow. <laughs> they said, that's not Hulk Hogan. That's his stunt double. And they were just completely blown away. They said, his stunt double looks so good, we can't tell. And we're movie people, we're TV people. That is somebody you want to keep around. <laughs> yes. So was it hard to go from wrestling to stunt double? No, no, it was fun. It was? Yeah, it's everything I do. Riding motorcycles, driving boats, in planes and cars, doing underwater stuff. And as a diver, rappelling down. Working with uh, explosives and weapons and everything like that. Now you go to WCW and you've got gimmicks like Zodiac and the Booty Man. What was the deal with that? <laughs> uh, Zodiac was in a movie in one of the movies, uh, Mr. Nanny. Really? He was? I did not know yeah, that. Yep. Go rent it. You'll see. <laughs> I will go <laughs> rent it now. You'll see the birth of it. They, they put me into the After they saw the character, they said, we got to have him in the Dungeon of Doom. And then next yeah. thing you know, I'm riding in and... To Detroit, uh, Joe Louis Arena in Detroit on top of Bigfoot, the, the 20 foot tall Big the, Ford the monster, monster truck yeah. with the giant Big Show. Yep. Me and him. Me as a Zodiac, boom, riding in on the pay per view. Boom. Riding in there. God. And then the NWO happens. Was that good or bad for you? Well, they. This is hard. The. Uh, the NWO thing was was going incredibly well. The, the Zodiac ran its course. The WCW guys said, "Oh boy, uh, you know he's uh, he's been the butcher, he's been the booty man, he's been the this, uh, you know uh, we really can't can't do anything with Brutus anymore." And I said, "Well, really." Because I, I really know how to, I am a really good wrestler. Yeah. I know how to wrestle. Yeah. And they needed wrestlers. Said, okay, so let me get this straight. You say I can't be a, a product that this show can use. It's, it's too many, damn, it's been too much. I went home, back to Madeira Beach where I was living, dropped 40 pounds. You were ripped at this 5 point. 5% body fat. Yeah. 30-inch waistline, 20-inch arms. Came back, walked in Ted Turner's CNN Towers for all the, the big wigs with Hogan. And he walks me in there and says, I want to introduce 
somebody to you guys. He's my new disciple. And man, these people were oohing and on. They're like, oh my God, look at this. Oh my God, look at this. And then he goes, oh, oh yeah, did I mention this is Bruce Beefcake? And they pissed their pants. Sorry, really? it's on real TV, but they, <laughs> half of them ran out because they were so embarrassed. They had a look me in the eye, look me in the eye, told me that I was done. I couldn't do anything. According to them, I was, I couldn't do anything. That's, guess you were all wrong. Yeah. yeah. Guess you were wrong. Yep. And the disciple thing was, and they were, and they still wouldn't let me do anything. They wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me really wrestle on TV. They yeah. wouldn't let me. I'd run in or drop some guys and boom and then run out. Whatever. Why was that? Is it because Hogan and Nash were running things or? Well, what? well, Hogan supposedly was running things, but it was because Eric Bischoff. Bischoff oh, was there. Hated me. Fired me three times. Really, Eric Bischoff fired you three times? Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't but he it like was you? Good because every time he fired me, Hogan got me hired back and got me a raise. Really? So he, he actually just did me a favor. Yeah. A couple, couple times anyway. But the last time I got fired, and that was it. And then WCW went down the shit pipe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it, who do you keep in touch with still? Uh, anybody's alive. Yeah. Duggan, uh, Jake, DiBiase, Ron Simmons. Yeah, who we just had know, on. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, the guys. It's an interesting community Valentine. wrestling. If you had done any other business, it wouldn't be like this. Nah. The Nasty Boys. You know, there, there's still some guys left. Yeah. Tatanka, the Bushwhacker. You know. Yeah. There's still a few, few of us left. Yeah, we're talking to a lot of those today. Do you enjoy events like these still? Huh. Well, that's why I'm here, man. I wouldn't come if I was a miserable old bastard. I think I'd sit here all day. You know, yeah. hugging everybody and, you know, taking pictures with them. Nah, I'd be home. Yeah, be nah, like I it. I love it, and the fans love me. Yep. That's when when it's good karma. When you when you've been good to the fans for 30, 40 years, when these people come and say, "I met you 25 years ago when I was a kid, and you signed my thing, and you took a picture of me and my dad," I'll never forget it. That's good karma. That's what you're talking about. Somebody that did it right. You know, and the, that's a lifelong fans. You're creating, you're creating your your fans by being a good person and by going the extra mile to be nice to them and make them feel important. Yeah. Well, Brutus Beefcake, it has been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for coming and joining us yeah, live tonight. Listen to me, just wailing on, baby. You're great. Wailing Thanks for that. Don't hurt anyone with that. <laughs> They're signed up real nice. Yes, uh, Boca Raton Championship Wrestling, BRCW. We will uh, put the shout out for that. Please. Thanks again, Thank Brutus. You. I appreciate it. So. Excuse me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brutus. Oh. Got to get up. Oh. Can't get up as easy as you used to. Thanks, Brutus. Thanks, Brutus, very much. So, Brutus Beefcake, that was a lot of fun. Always the running buddy of Hulk Hogan for so many years. Wherever you would see Hogan, you would see Brutus Beefcake. Him, Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South, always Hulk Hogan running buddies for all those years. So, a lot of old-timers here, fun to talk to. And one of the ones that I wanted to talk to, but in a different respect, was Jake the Snake Roberts. So if you watch our podcast, you know a few episodes ago, you can go watch it right now, going ringside, our interview with Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake is an interesting character. Um, got over a lot of drug and alcohol abuse for many years. But along the way, Jake lost his wife. He got divorced from his wife, um, Cheryl Roberts. Cheryl was involved in an angle with him back when they were married in the late 80s, early 90s, with a guy who's now passed on named Ravaging Rick Rude. It was a very salacious angle for the time. Rick Rude would always come up and hit on all the women. It got so overt that he, he would have his tights spe specially dyed, and he got Jake's wife's image dyed right on the front of his pants for the match. It was very salacious in the late 80s for this. And that's when Jake was still going strong in his marriage with Cheryl. But then Jake's demons got a hold of him with the drugs, the alcohol. He's very open about this. And 
eventually he, he lost the marriage. Well, in the last few years, Jake has gotten his life together. He's sobered up. He's been sober about three years now and really turned his life around. And Cheryl is back in the fold. A woman we haven't seen in 30 years or so. She was just a kind of played a bit character for that angle while he was really at his peak of his career. Well, they're back together. They're reunited here for the first time. Kind of an old love story that they, they fell away while he had so much of his demons. It took him 25 years, but he cleaned up his life, and now they're back together as a couple. We just met up with Jake and Cheryl Roberts. Here's a kind of a heartwarming interview for Lost Love and that has been brought back together. Well, we are excited to be joined again by Jake Roberts and his better half, Cheryl Roberts. Thank you for joining us. You two, tell me a little about your story now. You go ahead. The story is uh, sobriety's a good thing. Yeah. You know, back in the day, I was lost, and uh, she had to do the right thing, just to keep my ass out. Yeah. She had kids to take care of, and she didn't want them in the middle of that. So she had the strength to do that. Then, 24 years later, I finally get my stuff right. We're back together. That is the story. And Cheryl, what was it like for you? We talked to Jake in a recent episode about his struggles. What has it been like for you through all this? So it's uh, it was difficult to make that decision uh, to uh, divorce at the time. Uh, it was hard to see, watch him go through what it, he was going through with the addictions. And um, but now that he's you know getting sober, or he is sober, been sober. So we're seeing where we're at now. How do you guys reconnect? Have you always been in touch or? No. No. Basically. No. A while you no, were not. not. For a while we were. And uh, it's probably the best thing. But uh, when I finally got right, my heart was just beating there for her. Yeah. You know, because I, I needed somebody in my life that I loved. And she's always been the one I loved. And I got to ask why Cheryl is the one who we all know from the Rick Rude event in the 1980s. How does that come about when ravaging Rick Rude is involved in your life? Well, it was the, just the slap. What's that? The slap to Rick Rude. You slapped him? Yeah, the slap. You got the wrong spot. I'm glad it was him and not me. Yeah. And he, I think he made the tights with your image on it. He did. Yeah, and I ripped him off. You ripped him off? Yes, okay. I did. What was that like for you guys to be involved in something like that, that off a wrestling angle? It was all right. We enjoyed it because we had more time together. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the hardest part about being on the road is you're alone. And uh, having her on the road and her support helped and what is it like for you to be back in this? What has it been like you for to be in this wrestling world? I've always wondered what it's like for a wrestling wife. So I have been out of it for a long time. Yeah. So getting back into it is, it's, you know, it's fun. I enjoy it. It's, yeah. It's nice to meet fans. It's nice to see Jake doing really well. And um, so, yeah. Well, thank you folks very much. I'm no so problem. glad we could talk to you. <laughs> Boy, looking at that, I, I forget how tall Jake the Snake Roberts is. Uh, where There's some loud noise behind me because they have actual wrestling going on here, too, by the way. But I want to go through some of the names you're going to see here this weekend if you still plan on coming down tomorrow. The big names that will show up tomorrow who are not here today, Kurt Angle, your Olympic gold medalist, and Rob Van Dam. Let's go through some of the other names on tap this weekend. Double A Arn Anderson. We just talked to Dr. Britt Baker, DDS, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Just had him on the podcast about a week ago. Um, Kurt Angle, uh, Funaki, if you remember Funaki, Tugboat. I don't know if you remember Tugboat. Uh, Money Inc., uh, IRS and Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Abdullah the Butcher, Nia Jax will be here, Butterbean. Um, they got some real fighters here. Butterbean is here. Ken Shamrock, Dan Severn, all here. Anna Jay, 
um, is here. Uh, let's see. Barry Windham will be here. Uh, let me see who else do we have. Melina. We just talked to Melina. Very nice uh, woman. Um, the boogeyman. Remember the guy who eats worms? He's here, too, and, and more. They've really got a stacked card, and I think a lot of that personally has to do with all the stuff that AEW has brought to this city. Because Jacksonville has historically had a very good wrestling scene. But when Tony and Chad Khan invested the money they did into pro wrestling based in Jacksonville, all this community wanted to come here. So it's been kind of exciting to see all these years. So tomorrow it'll be just as packed. Uh, hey, there's the boogeyman right there, right in front of us. Mark, can you pan the camera to the left? You don't see that walking through every day. So the boogeyman is here uh, live in front of us. That is the guy who eats worms, if you remember. We'll try and catch up with him a little later. But uh, very exciting. Uh, we're live if he'd want to come on. Sir, how are you? We're live on television. Can we talk to you right now? Let's do this. Boogeyman, how you been? Scott Johnson of Channel 4. Scott Johnson. How are you? Nice to meet you. Thank you so kind. So kind to meet you as well. Thank you for coming out for this lovely occasion here in River City. <laughs> you are living the gimmick. Should I say you were as intimidating as a gimmick? Gimmick. What gimmick? I'm you're right. You're right. There is no gimmick. It's a real pleasure to be out here. Great for family, friends and family, man. It's a beautiful time to come out and meet the fans. Meet people such as yourself, man. Jacksonville, Florida is a great place. I'm actually living in Denver. I flew down to Denver to be a part of it. So, how did you learn to eat worms? Well, you know, uh, ironically, I must say, worms are actually 82% protein. I'm not the ideal food that I would recommend to eat, but they're actually nutritious. You know, they're nutritional. Yes. You know? How much goes into this each day? Well, it takes me approximately three hours to get myself metamorphosized into this entity. It is an entity. That it is. That it is. That it is. So when they found out you could eat worms, was that an immediate seller to WWE? Well, the thing about the worms, the thing about my, my pouch, my bag, the idea was to have an edible insect for each opponent. So the only thing that we can control would be the worms. If we walk into an arena such as this with maggots, roaches, or, you know, Madagascar, uh, uh, roaches, uh, the spiders, and so forth, we'd have to pay an infestation for So the only thing that we could control was the worms. Nothing would crawl away and infest the area. So I actually, the worms stuck with me because we can control them. So this, how did this all even start? Did you just think of this one day, or...? It was in a very, very dark place. You were in the dark. Yes, I was. I like you guys. I appreciate it. I really do, man. How long have you been an, an interview coach working with Channel 4? I've been at Channel 4 for more than 20 years, but we started, but I've been a news anchor for 25 years to say, how about you start doing wrestling stuff? Have you ever had a guess as wild or crazy as me? I've had tons, but no one like you. No one anywhere close to you. No, that, I take that as a compliment, so to speak, but I thank you so much for allowing me to be in the Thank you, Boogie Man, and it's been really nice to meet you. Thank you. Uh, have you scared any children today? Yes, I want to scare all the kids into doing the right thing. Keep your room clean, honor your mother and father, do your homework, eat your spinach, and do your push-ups and say your prayers. <laughs> yeah. I think they will listen to that and probably have a few nightmares. Thanks again, Boogie Man. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, sir. So, just out of nowhere, the boogie when the Boogie Man walks by, you do not put down the microphone. You put it in his face. Well, that was certainly a treat and an unexpected one, and I may have a few nightmares. But we will survive to another day of this. So this has been a lot of fun. These are the types of characters you just walk up on. And I want to point out something. If you plan on coming down tomorrow, it's not something where 
You know, you have to wait in long lines. The lines end up at. How's it going, sir? Bill Alfonso. How are you, sir? Bill Alfonso, legend. I'm doing excellent, and I love 1004 Jacksonville, Daddy. I was here every Thursday. I broke in with uh, Gordon Soli and Dusty Rose in 1980, and this is one of our towns. Every Thursday night, I was here for at least six years. You would always come here. So what company was that for? Sit down. Florida Gypsy Wrestling. Here, take a mic. We can talk. Let's talk. So Florida Gypsy Wrestling. You're at Florida Championship Wrestling. Yeah, with Gordon okay. Soli and Dusty. That's where I broke in, May in 1980. Yeah. And I'm still relevant today. Yeah, still. That's amazing. So what? Where do you go after Florida Championship Wrestling? What happened for you? I well after the territories closed up. Yeah. I went to WCW and worked for Ted Turner. Okay. For two years, and I got drafted to WWF at the time. It was WWE now? Okay. Uh, WrestleManias and that. Then I went to ECW. Yeah. The crazy company where I became a manager, and uh, that's why I'm still relevant today because of ECW managing. I got a lot of uh, TV time. Not sure. because I was an international five-star referee. Yeah. It's because of ECW. So you were refing a lot then? Yes, I well, I've always wondered, what is it, what was it like to be a ref? Like, are you like an on-site producer, or what is that? I was backstage. I was backstage. I would help production. No, but I mean in the matches. Like, do you call it in the ring? Do the wrestlers call it in the ring? I've always wondered how that works with the refs. Well, they would talk a little bit in the back, and then basically call it in the ring. You know, we're professionals, so we do this for a living. We do sure. it every night, so... It's like you uh, with 10 or 4, you know yeah. what to do. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. So it's the same basic. So you were with ECW? Yes. Well, any crazy stories? Uh, well, I was in a Bob Wire match. I was a manager in ECW. I managed Sabu at Van Damme. Okay. So uh, it was um, Sabu against Terry Funk. In oh, a, dear. A, I can only imagine. In a Bob Wire match. During the course of the match, Sabu ripped his bicep from here to here. From there? He went He went into shock for a few seconds. He said, Fonzie, oh, oh. He was that wide. He went into literally shock. He said, run back and give me some tape. So I ran back. He was taping his arm up while he's getting a reverse neck breaker in the ring by Terry Funk onto a steel chair. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So after the match is over... We go back to the dressing room. He needs at least 100 stitches. Oh, my God. So, and uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, you have to have the state athletic division. Uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You have to have a doctor there present okay. and uh, 911, you know, and uh, paramedics there. Yeah. So, Sambu said, start stitching me up. No anesthesia. Oh, my God. These guys so, are tough. So, he was getting stitched up. So, about halfway through... He says, Fonzie, it hurts too much. Go to 7-Eleven and give me some super glue. Now, before, <laughs> now, now, now there's medical-grade super glue. Okay. But back then, it was toxic super glue. Oh, my so God. He ended up uh, super glue in his arm shot with the toxic, you know, non- uh, medical super good is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Oh my god, this is one story, you know. Yeah, you guys, I can't believe what you guys would do to your bodies. It was crazy. There was a Mark Vincent Man, WWE, wants a doctor, his wife, and the two kids at ringside. ECW, our clientele was 90% male, the age of 19 to 32. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They wanted the sex, the violence, the tables, and the chairs. We didn't know there was a market for that. So we created a market and took off. ECW is still, even though it lasted about seven years, mm -hmm. we had no corporate sponsors. We were having a hard time getting a TV uh, to pick up our hardcore violence. So, uh, uh, and it still has a cult-like following today. Absolutely. 25 it's years later. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I get kids come up to me 25 years old. You weren't even born. How do you know about ECW? Oh, now it's on Peacock. It's on this. It's on that. Yeah. They have a cult-like following. That's why I'm relevant today because of ECW. So I see a lot of stuff since. Guys going through tables. Guys going through barbed wire. That all came from you guys. Yes. We started the ball. We started the ball. Yeah. Yes. What do you do now? I'm retired, and I do stuff like this on weekends. Listen, in the last 10 weeks, I've been to Los Angeles for WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. We have a big Comic-Con, WrestleCon there. Yeah. I was with Van Damme and Sabu there. Uh, 
Okay, Los Angeles, Fargo, St. Louis, Washington, D.C., uh, Cleveland, Miami Beach, this, next week, um, I don't know where the hell I'm at, but I'm working every weekend somewhere in the United States. Yeah. It's either a wrestling show, indie show, or a Comic-Con, or a wrestle deal, or something like this. Gotcha. So I'm active on weekends, and I love it. I'm 66 years old. Not an ounce of fat on me, daddy. Not an ounce of fat on me. I'm still going strong, and I enjoy it. Keeps me busy, and I create a little revenue, and I have fun. Seeing guys like you, and seeing all of my guys that I, you know, I worked sure. with for the last 40. I'm celebrating my 44th year. Oh, my God. You've been doing it forever. Yeah. I've yeah. had another job in my life. You know, my whole life's documented on television sure. or in magazines or whatever. But it's been pretty cool. Well, Bill Alonso, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks I for really being, appreciate it. Thanks for being here. And I love 10 to 4, Daddy. That's where it's at. Thank you. You love the 4. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. I got a kiss to the head and everything. So a lot of fun out here today. Just you've been running to people all over. And it was uh, what I was saying is there's no real like bad lines. Like you just walk up on these people. A lot of fun. They're, you know, charging for autographs and photos, which is how they make their money. But it is just an event like no other. You don't run into celebrities you grew up watching on TV who just want to chat with you, talk about stuff that you remember as a kid or stuff that you're watching right now. There's a lot of modern wrestlers here now. So it is just a fun time down here at River City Wrestling Con. We're so glad you could tune in to us tonight. I'll be back here with the 10 o'clock news. we got a lot of interviews for Going Ringside all summer long. Some of the folks, the great stories we've heard here today down at River City Wrestling Con. Thanks for joining us. If you're coming out tomorrow to the Jacksonville Fairgrounds, stop by and say hi. We'd love to see you. And once again, tell everyone you know who's a wrestling fan about Going Ringside, wherever you get your podcasts or on News for Jacks or on the News for Jacks YouTube channel. Thanks for joining us today. It's been a lot of fun. This has been Going Ringside with the local station. Brought to you every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player on News for Jacks Plus as well as the News for Jacks YouTube channel.